Well, it was Shamrock Rovers who had the bragging rights on Friday night. And although with 14 games gone, Bowes are still top of the table. But with the week that was in it, any manager in the League of Ireland would be just delighted to have a job. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Shamrock Rovers put themselves firmly back in the title race. Cork City and St. Pats are on the lookout for new managers and the Irish women's team find out their Nations League destiny. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, you got to tell us, how do you feel about Tim Clancy leaving his post at St. Pats? Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot, aren't we, about Cork City and St. Pats this week. Uh, DL Sakako which I actually thought was a lovely name to place on Friday <laughs> uh, in Tornas Cross. Part of the game of the weekend, Roy, right? well, there's a couple of actually interesting scorelines which we'll get into, but really yeah. it was another, it was an entertaining game of football, which, you know, probably couldn't say a lot about St. Pat's this season. Yeah, so it came out on Tuesday, as you said, Tim Clancy resigned as manager by uh, mutual consent. I think by reading in the lines of everything else, it seemed to be more of a Tim Clancy decision to walk yeah. rather than being pushed by the club. I thought Tim could have turned it around, Roy, to be honest with you. I think I've been vocal about uh, being back in Tim probably over the, in the podcast over the course of the season because this isn't the first time that he came under pressure, Roy, wasn't it, throughout the year? Like, you look at Pats, they're sitting in sixth position now they're beating Cork uh, 3-2, a great win away from home on Friday. They were seventh um, when, when Tim left the club. Three defeats on the bounce, two of them uh, over the bank holiday weekend against Sligo Rovers, the game which I was at, at on uh, the previous Monday in Richmond Park, getting beaten one nil by Sligo, and then away to Derry, uh, and then the Shamrock Rovers. Derby. Then they went five games unbeaten, then they had three defeats in a bounce, and then they had that decent start to the season, didn't they, with a one-all draw to Derry and a one-nil win against Shell. So, as always, it has been a really difficult one to, to sort of to gauge from Pat's point of view. I think there's a couple of sticking points to why he probably looked at it, or why... People are happy to see him go, or maybe even Clancy looked at the job and thought, well, this is working out. I think his recruitment has been patchy. There's been a couple, don't get me wrong, like Joe Redmond's come in under Breslin. Uh, Jake Mulraney's impressed me this season too, but a lot of the bigger names, you know, uh, David Odomusi, who had a disaster start to the 2023 season, just looked roby beyond words. He was probably unlucky in terms of injuries in 2022, but he was expected to be the, the number one keeper and just... Look completely heavy. He's deft. Noah Lewis, a centre half, looks a terrible signing. Uh, Jay McGrath beside him looks dodgy. Even looks like Mark Doyle, you know, people do that. Doyle, Owen Doyle's probably the name that got dragged up the most and talking about Tim Clancy signing. I think he's been okay. You look at like he's the second top goal scorer last year. I think the service into Owen is more the issue than Owen himself, but Mark Doyle has been really, really poor. Coming off such been a, good a lot of throw. talk about Chris Forrester as well, that people are unhappy about how he's going about his business on the pitch and, and of Owen Doyle. I think they're the two most. I think what's happening there is the most is expected from them too and, yeah. and people feel that they're not getting what they should get out of them. Yeah, when Owen came in, Roy, and like you talk about the, the, the wages that he's on and things like that, and he's he's record not only in the League of Ireland in the past, but in England, he's been a proven goal scorer in the lower leagues in England. 
I think people are expecting it to throw the audio all on Doyle to come in and rip the league apart. And as I said, he he done decent last year. He probably could have doubled his figures with the, the chances that he did miss, but the service into him really did let it down. But if, if you listen to interviews of anybody at all that's around the club, you have nothing but high things to say about Owen Doyle in terms of behind the scenes and possibly going on in a coaching capacity and things like that. But in terms of Chris Forrester, I actually thought he's had a good start to the season. He was excellent on Friday night, Roy. I don't know if you've seen the game or if you're watching the Dublin Derby. He was excellent. He really ran everything in the midfield. Seemed to play with a bit of a freedom that wasn't there over the past couple of weeks, whether that be the, the uh, influx of changes in the formation that Tim Clancy brought in over the past couple of weeks or the long ball strategies too that Tim brought in in the last month were was really frustrating uh, to watch, which is probably overpassing, you know, the likes of Chris Forrester that can bring that bit of uh, sparkness in the midfield. So, yeah, Chris definitely had his shackles off on Friday, so you're hoping to see that improve. Um, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I, I was I would have been back in team myself uh, to turn it around. Still early on the season, I think we're going to see a cluster, Roy, aren't we? With a lot of clubs going for that European position and, and a couple of wins can uh, can change that. But yeah, it's hard to look past the, the and, change of formation and the change in the, the constant starting 11s as well. Now, while you were saying you were backing them, you weren't happy exactly with everything that was going on uh, on the pitch and, and, as you said, players and stuff like that. But you weren't the only one. We, we, we've heard a lot of things from St. Pat's and you would because you'd be down at the games. But we've heard a lot of mumbles from fans and there would have been a fair few people who, who probably wouldn't have wanted them to stick around. No, I'm going to try one of the boys under the bus. Remember uh, Rob that uh, would have commented on a lot of the right. Roy Beard, yeah. Beard oh, whatever the fucking name is. Uh, <laughs> Robbie Ralph is his, his uh, government name. Yeah, when mate of mine comes to the games, he'd be in that boat as well. And not just giving me mate's opinion, but just across the board of of the sort of club that he's in, that the sticking point was the style of football, Roy, was a major, major sticking point for the people that were against Clancy over the last while in terms of plan and the effectiveness itself, you know, like a lump and long balls up to Owen Doyle, but the, the scoring record doesn't speak for himself. You're, you're hoping for someone like Owen Doyle to be running onto these balls and that's just isn't his game at this stage of his career. He's more of a dynamic link-up player, isn't he? You could even, mm-hmm. you've seen Owen dropping deep to collect the ball. And so, yeah, that would have been the sticking point for them. I suppose... The next big question from a Pat's point of view would be the replacement, wouldn't it? And we, we've certainly seen a lot of names. As you do with any League of Ireland job, don't you? You see names upon names, you know. Uh, Vinnie Peart was there, Ian Barraclough, some uh, Colin Healy, which we probably talk about in a couple of minutes. Well, let's, uh, talk about, in... let's talk about Colin Healy now, and then we'll go back to the two teams and, and who may go there, because you do yeah. have that managerial merry-go-round. <laughs> you won't be surprised to see the two of them swap their jobs. So we'll, no. but we'll talk about Colin Healy now, because Dermot Usher came out uh, on Red FM the other day and said he didn't want Colin Healy to leave, and it was off his own back. What did you make about that? Yeah, and not only Dermot Usher, Roy, uh, Liam Buckley came out as well, didn't he? When he was talking about the press, saying that he tried everything to get Healy to stay at Cork. So, yeah, definitely a, a Colin Healy decision. And again, a week where Cork City were definitely on the, the, the tip of everybody's tongues. I think it started on Wednesday when uh, Liam Buckley was appointed as a new sporting director of Cork City. Look, anyone listening to the show, we don't have to run through Liam's career. Everyone knows the, the wealth of experience that he has within the league as a, as a player and a manager too. And then... Shortly, that I think it was the same day, Roy, wasn't it? That night, uh, Colin Healy stepped down as manager. 
uh, after two and a half years, obviously winning the first division with Cork and gaining promotion in 2022. Like, would do you think it's a coincidence that all happened on the same day with the, the Buckley appointment? I, I think it could be with the, the Buckley appointment coming in. Would you see it as a sort of, you know, Colin Healy's position, if he's looking at Liam Buckley coming in, do the club trust me? Uh, am, I, am I sort of getting let out the door with, with Buckley standing behind me? Because in fairness to Buckley, he's he's a non-runner to replace Colin Healy. He's adamantly said he has no interest in coming to a full-time manager job. And by all reports, he's actually heading up the search and, and going through applications and stuff to help Dermot Usher uh, find a replacement. Yeah, because I, I think, think it, I just have a quote here from Dermot yeah, Usher. He says, with Liam Buckley coming in, Colin was fully aware of that and understood what we were trying to do. That role that is being created was there to support and help the player recruitment. We're coming up to a transfer window where we would hope to add to the squad and uh, add to what we currently have. So what he's saying there is that Colin Healy knew about it. People might think, well, he mightn't have known about it and that's why he, he, he jumped so much and, and that it was a surprise element. So you're kind of, do you have to go on the word of Dermot Usher there? Yeah. If Liam Buckley did take over the job, will you know then it, there was a whole load of lies there because the job is there if you're taking on someone like Liam Buckley to do that job, uh, you know, football director or whatever name terminology you want to put onto it, uh, that you wouldn't be jumping out straight away. You know, there would be no purpose to that job. So you'd be very suspicious then. But if Liam is going in there and he's going to do that job and that's it, and as you said, he's going to look for a manager as well and help them out to doing a manager, well, then Colin probably did know about it. So do you think maybe pressure may have got it just to him? Yeah, because I've seen a lot of people that were um, a recent game in Daly Brown Park when, when Cork played Bohemians uh, and he got beaten on the night. Uh, people talking about you know abuse and stuff, and and there was a lot of murmurs of Colin Healy and um, being walked at the door, and fans not happy with him being there, which would be crazy to see considering how well he done with them last year. And look, it's, it's always going to be difficult for any promoted side to come up in the league, isn't it? And that should be regardless that, of recruitment and budget, and if they're full time, part time, any newly devoted te- or newly promoted team, sorry. The only goal they should have is staying within the league. They shouldn't be focusing on Europe or mid-table. And that should be the main goal at all. And while it's going to be tight, you'd imagine between themselves, UCD, perhaps Drotter are going to be down there. I didn't think there was a major cause for panic just yet from a, a, a Cork City point of view under Colin Healy. And I actually think, Roy, if, again, with the sporting director all as you said, Liam's probably more so looking at recruitment and stuff. I think it actually would have really benefited Colin Healy to have someone, you know, probably a learning tree, as you will, to have the likes of Liam Buckley to sort of, not to oversee him or to stand over his shoulder and tell him what, but, you know, there's someone in Liam that's won uh, two League of Ireland titles as a manager, two League of Ireland titles as a player, hugely highly regarded around, uh, around the league. So to have him as you know, someone to bounce ideas off would have been an excellent thing for such a young uh, and a young support. Manager it's column. like Pat Fenland there at Bowes. It's the support there to do the stuff so that uh, the managers, Declan Devine there at, at Bowes, doesn't have to then worry about going chasing players and doing. He ha- they can have that communication between them and then go and look and and Pat goes off and looks for the players or he goes and looks after other age groups or whatever it communicates with him about everything else so Declan 
in Bowes and Colin, who, who would have been here in Cork, can focus on first team matters. So you think that we've taken a lot of pressure off them? Yeah, I, I thought it would have been. And look, ourselves included, I, I was probably a bit trigger happy myself. And um, when I seen Liam Buckley come in, then Colin leave, and it's like, ah, he's yeah, there yeah, for the reason. Everyone's head, yeah. I think so, wasn't it? But when you sort of step back and you, and you, you hear what people are saying about it, it really would have been such a massive uh, benefit to Healy. But I throw another quote at you, Roy. I was, I was seeing a little snippet of an interview on uh, Corks 96 FM with, again, Dermot Usher, obviously really busy doing the media rounds. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be a long process to get in another manager. He's saying that he's waiting on a phone call um, from someone to possibly confirm uh, they're, going to, they're going to step up and replace Colin Healy in the hot seat at Tornos Cross. As you said, like, we're coming into the summer now. The transfer window's going to be open. You'd imagine there's going to be a backing. Uh, from the club to go out and get players is to secure that all important um, Premier Division status for next season and that's all that they really need if they can stay up it's a successful year you build on that especially being away for the last few years so let's go back to your question who do you think is going to take over at St Pat's who do you think is going to take over at Cork City The, the two managers that have left the job do you think that they could be in line for the opposite job I think Tim could definitely be in line for the Cork City job more so than Colin. Colin for the uh, the, the Pats job. I think they're looking at Tim uh, Clancy's point of view. One of the big drawing points for Pats from Tim was it was a full time position, which he didn't have at Drotter. So that remained the same at Cork City. You know, you, you could look at other fourth division clubs, you might not get that bit of security. So that would be there. As far as you're looking at Tim, has he own family? It, it would be, I know it's a small country in the grand scheme of things, but it probably would require a move. Not necessarily the Cork, but a little bit closer, uh, two months to, to the south. If you were a but, Cork City fan, Nathan, would you want Tim Clancy going in? He's after leaving the post there. Uh, little things got a little bit tough. He's after leaving the post. Does that breed confidence in that, that he'll go into a job that's going to have more pressure on them, that he's going to be able for that pressure? Yeah, that'd be the question to be answered, Roy, wouldn't it? And expect, as, as I said, it's all important. Summer coming up, they're going to need the ads. And his recruitment has been really, really patchy, especially with the lads that he's brought in in the most recent off-season over the winter. That's going to be a sticking point if you're a Cork City fan. But I think if you are, are, are a Cork fan, you're looking at someone like Tim, a uh, lot of trust in the younger players, which again, we see, we, we've seen that as part of me, definitely seen that at it. I think it would be, I, I wouldn't really get too bogged down in the last month of his reign. At a, at a Pat's point of view, I think he was let down by, by a lot of senior players here. In fairness to Tim, you know, I think we're very quick, aren't we, to just point fingers at the manager and, and the yeah. systems and the things that they're doing. He's been looking at injury, but I think the lads that were on the pitch did let him down a, a lot of senior pros. So, you can't forget, like, look at last season with Tim at Pat's, it was a success, successful career, got a uh, successful season, got uh, Pat's into a European place for this year, actually went on an excellent European run with the Saints last year as well. So, I think it would be a decent appointment if you're a Cork City fan, if you're looking for a new manager to come in and keep you up. Someone that's proved, some more proven in the league, definitely proven with Drotter, uh, gain a promotion uh, with them, getting them back, back up to the big time instead of possibly risking, no disrespect, you know, to maybe Stephen Rice that be coming into the fourth managerial job and having massive, massive pressure on them from the world go. Yeah, okay, right. So you have a feeling Tim might go that way. You don't have a feeling Colin will go the other way. I think, uh, yeah, the names sort of banded a bit round, like there's loads, but we trying to keep it realistic, you know, Ian Barraclough, Vinnie Peart, uh, Richard Dorn, which please, please don't, please don't happen. I think if you're, if I'm a Pats fan and someone, you know, someone that knows the club, 
I wouldn't see that in Ron we're hiring uh, internally. I, in terms, I mean, you have someone like Jerry O'Brien who's the academy director and has stepped up in the past as, a, as an interim manager. I think, you know, bringing Jerry O'Brien in, you could have even Alan Matthews is there. He's been there for a number of years, have him as the assistant. Do you know what? You have a brand new uh, retired Ian Birmingham that's looking to get into coaching. Could be an opportunity for Ian to get back into, into the force team fold. Sean O'Connor is there as well, someone that played with Pats throughout his career and has been at the club uh, in the underage levels. What I think that John could be. Daly, that's there. I think John Daly has a bit of a. And again, I like him, but I think he has a bit of a stink of the team Clancy reign. Okay. I, I don't think so. I, I look again, great result on Friday, but I just I think John is there for uh, for the short term more than anything else. I think we will see John pop back up in the League of Ireland somewhere, or maybe over in Scotland. He has a big affinity to the the SVL. But yeah, for me, if I was to look, do you know what? Even until the end of the season, see how the likes of Jerry Bryan, Alan Matthews, Ian Birmingham got on. I think it makes sense having lads that know the club, know the players. It could probably have been a bit more of a settled look than anything else. But if I'm to stop being a board and fucker and to you know stop looking at lads that know the club, I think Ian Barrowclough would be my first choice uh, of the names that I did mention. Again, successful in the league. Now we're talking ten years ago, so that's going to be the sticking point straight away. You know, I only won the league ten years ago, and granted, he hasn't had the most glimmering career in the likes of Motherwell, and he had a bit of success in the underage with Northern Ireland. But I think the less said about his his uh, senior manager, Jerry times a Northern Ireland yeah. manager, uh, the better. But yeah, out of the names that I have been seeing banded about, I'd have more confidence in the likes of Ian Barraclough than I would, certainly would with Richard Dawn and probably even uh, Vinnie Peart. Okay, grand. Well, we'll see that. That'll surely turn around. I can't see it not happening in the next week or so that they, they'll turn around and, and get someone in because you just can't leave this for too long. You've seen that happening before and if it's someone who's in there who's who's been in that same group as you said like I said if, if John and if, and if he's playing the same way that, that Tim was playing you're not really changing much there so you're either ch- making that change to give a total change or you shouldn't sort of you should make more of an effort to keep Tim in there so I'm not totally sure we don't know totally everything that's gone on behind there but uh, they're gone and uh, we'll soon find out now at the weekend the big derby between Shamrock Rovers and Bowes and one big decision in this game, Nathan, that really did, it made a big difference in the game, didn't it, between uh, Atala Stadium? Yeah, it's a shame, Roy, isn't it? We're coming out of another big, uh, not only Dublin derby, but another big League of Ireland game and the referee has seemingly took, uh, took the headlines. I'm assuming this is the game you watch, so you'll probably be able to break it down a little bit more for us. But yeah, you dream for Shamrock Rovers at home to Bowes. Put some one point off now off Bowes, who are still the leaders, but yeah, the, the, the City rivals are really creeping up behind them. Uh, as I said, I've only really gone off highlights and the, and the penalty clip, but the fact that um, was it uh, Afalabe, wasn't it? That was felt right for, for the penalty, yeah, uh, with yeah. Dan Cleary. If yeah. anyone hasn't seen it, seek it out because it is a bloody stone wall. Absolute Stonewall penalty, and these are massive decisions. Now, when I seen really... it, when I seen it in in real time, now I was watching it at home, but when I seen it in real time, I went Stonewall penalty. Absolutely, the, yeah. the direction that ball is after going in, and the direction that clearly was coming in, there's no way that the ball went away. You know, it just looked at you, you know when you play football, you just know that's a penalty, blatant. So. It wasn't the surprise. Former we... League of Ireland uh, fullback Roy Shanahan would know his would know his uh, in game football. <laughs> well, it's just no, it is. It's just you just know yeah, what no, way the ball, the ball would go, you know. And 
when you see in the replay, it was a, it was obviously they don't have the replay, so it doesn't make a difference. There's no VAR in there. Not that the VAR probably helps half the time now these days yeah. either. But the linesman, I looked at the referee. The referee had a decent view from where he was, but the linesman had an even better view. He was banging line with it, and there's no way that they, they should have got this. And I think he bottled it a bit, to tell you the truth. I think the linesman bottled it. He could have said easily... And, and and should have seen easily wh- what direction that ball went in, and I don't didn't see any communication between him and the lines on the referee and the lines when I just thought I did think it was poor on their behalf. I thought they could have they could have had a good old chat about it and 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 made sure they made the right decision. Uh, they felt they made the right decision, but they didn't, and no, that didn't. that was to make it one all, and that would have been and the game was even. It was a really good game. I enjoyed it. The great football in it, great atmosphere, great tempo in the game, and that did. Listen, games change on decisions, you know, they change on goals. And in fairness to Shamrock Rovers, I have to say, I just think Shamrock Rovers are just a little bit more clinical. They have that uh, two or three more players who can turn the game uh, that Bows don't have. They're kind of, you know, they're just a little bit below, in my opinion, just in the final third, a little bit below the strengths that Shamrock Rovers have in that final third. And if they could get another player or maybe even two who can, even one player that can create something out of nothing there, uh, they they definitely be pushing it. If I was to think about the league, I'm not sure Bowes are going to go there. I think Shamrock Rovers no. are going to really push. Uh, and if Derry City are going to do that and they're going to have to start doing things fairly quickly as well, they're not being as consistent as I always thought they might be this year. But with the terrible start that Shamrock Rovers had and to be in the position where they are now, it says a lot about how the others are playing at the moment. By the way, Roy, even from a ball's point of view, it's going to be hard to, to take the positives, isn't it, of a weekend like this. But what a start to the season for them. Like, they've been absolutely excellent under Declan Devoyne, which I, I was very critical of, of him coming into the role. I thought he would have struggled badly this season. I thought um, there was such a change up in personnel that there's no way they're going to find that consistency. But now, like, well... A quarter of way through it, you know, we're well into the, the second round of fixtures now within the league, and we're looking at a Bowls team that could very, very uh, realistically be there for a European run. So, like, while it's it's never that's never easy to, to take a defeat here uh, to Shamrock Rovers from a Bowls point of view, I'm sure they've been excellent this season. They really, really have. You ha- do have to give them credit for, uh, for what they've done and what, what Declan has done in such a short, short uh, changeover because I don't think many people, myself included, had them picked for a European position ahead of the season. Absolutely not, no. What about the rest of the league? How do you think it's shaping up? And even in the first division, how do you think the both of them are shaping up now? You look at the first division, a little bit of a glimmer of hope there whenever, with everyone when, when got always stumbled a bit, but they've sorted that one out. They have, yeah. They bounced back uh, big time right uh, over the bank holiday weekend, getting beaten 1-0. Uh, from Longford Town, don't think anybody's seen that coming. Nope. Don't think most I had Longford fans wouldn't have seen that one. But yeah, bounce back with a huge, huge win. Um on Friday night at home to Waterford's two sides, you'd imagine are gonna be there and thereabouts. Well, they're gonna be challenging for the league title there too. Uh beating them two one. That uh brings Galway ten points clear at the fourth division. That that's a huge uh, step up. What we're talking about Waterford, and I was delighted when I don't know, you probably actually missed this, mate. This literally just broke as we were coming on here. Right. Uh, and it normally breaks when we just finish the bloody show. Yeah. Uh, John Walters stepped down from his uh, technical director Will role. You stop it. At Waterford. Yeah. 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 He stepped down from his, his technical director role at Waterford and Fleetwood Town. 
So uh, John Walter said, short reign. He had a big, huge, heartfelt personal message up on Twitter. We were literally clicking to come on here, so I couldn't give it a proper uh, a deep dive. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to look into that one a little bit further. Um, it's crazy because it, there, there never seems to be anything that settles around Waterford. I know this is <laughs> is more Fleetwood, you know, but I mean, it just seems to be someone gets in a position and and they seem to leave it fairly quickly. And you know, you just want you need that for them to settle down and and make sure you have a real go at it. So. Listen, they can get someone else. It's not the manager. And you have Keith Long there, who is an excellent manager, you know. So it's... it's Keith will get them sorted for the rest of the season. That's not a problem. And they'll get someone else in instead of John who can do that job. So I don't even think it's too much of a problem. But you do you do want stuff to settle down there and, and someone in that job for a good few years, you know, to make it their own. Uh, yeah, that's mad. I'm baffled by that now, to tell you. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, just uh, better throw it out when we're talking about it. And while we are talking about Waterford, again, it's going to be hard to... Uh, I'm trying to be positive today. I don't know why. But Waterford point of view, Rowan and Coughlin, signing off the season in the fourth yeah. season so far, hasn't he been? Absolutely. Absolutely. Banning the goals in. And again, got beaten 2-1 uh, by Galway on Friday, but it, it was Rowan that did pop up with the, uh, the, the consolation goal for them. I'm trying to have a quick little look here. See, he has to be leading the pack. But yeah, 15 goals this season already, Roy. Uh, he's been absolutely excellent in flying form. You know, we look, he scored against Galway in the most recent game. Uh, didn't contribute. Pick it up, Ronan. Didn't contribute at all against Wexford the week before. Yeah. But then you have, you know, two goals against Bray, three goals against Treaty, four goals against Athlone, and then four more weeks of consistent goal scoring. So, in fairness to Ronan, I was critical of him at Pat's point of view. And I won't take it back. I thought he was awful at Pat's, but really, really has, has kick-started his career down at Waterford this season. No, fair play to him. Um, when you look at the whole thing, Kerry are still... And I wouldn't mind with Kerry. They're, it's, it's, they're not getting battered every week or anything like that. They're, they're the odd goal here and there, but they obviously just haven't got the, the players to get them over the line in game. So... It, it's it's going to be a great year for them, a great learning curve for them this year. Um, you can see Treaty were struggling a bit. They've got a couple of wins under their belts lately, which is which, which is great for them because they're pushing themselves back up that table. Even Longford, who got that great win, are struggling still. Even though, and and I know to be carried at the weekend, but it's. You had to sweat for that a little bit, though. You really did. I thought it was done and dusted, and so I didn't bother even looking back on that till it was the game was over. So, and I couldn't believe that 3 2. I thought that was, it was dead and buried. Um, but look at Galway. Is it, I know we're only 13 games into that, but they've made such a good start. Yeah. It would be. We won the biggest turnarounds ever if they don't get secure that top position now at this, even at this stage. Yeah, I think it would be. I really, really do. I think there had to be an absolute calamity. And you look at that fixtures coming up, Roy. They're playing uh, Wexford at home, Treaty away, got uh, at Lona, I think Galway at home. At Lona home, Bray Wanderers away, Finn Harps uh, at home, Wexford again. So they're not going to be facing um, the likes of Waterford, even Cove Ramblers, who have actually been Very excellent good. this year, sitting yeah. in opposition. So there's a lot of games coming up, which again, League of Ireland is hard to judge, but on paper, winnable games really stretch that lead further. I, I'd go as far to already say I can't see them messing this one up at all. It want to be a serious, serious calamity for, for them to fall apart. And like I said, he had a stumble against Longford, which nobody's seen coming, but to bounce back in a manner that he did, that that's a, it's a big statement from them. Yeah, I'm delighted. To see. I want them up there. I want them up in the yeah, Premier. I 100% agree with that. To tell you the truth, I want 
the division they have the money behind them if they get promoted that's going to encourage the owners to spend more money on, on this club and uh, to push on and I'd like to see another team up there challenging and Galway now have everything in place there to be able to go and do that and make the league as we said we were saying off air here everyone has their, their moment Shamrock Rovers are having their moment three in a row could, could go four now but that'll turn eventually you know and someone else is going to step in there and why couldn't Galway? Uh, there's no reason why. Once they get out of that first division, there's no reason why at all. Okay, uh, the women, they have a World Cup coming up soon, the national team. But it wasn't about the World Cup last week. No, it's a bit of uh, the more lesser down uh, the uh, Nations League. It's a, the first ever uh, Women's Nation League taking place. And as I said, we now know our fate, our fate. Ireland have been drawn into Group B1 in League B. Uh, that group consists of Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland, the old, uh, the old neighbour to the old enemy, but I'll say the old neighbour, for anyone listening in, I don't want any hate, please leave me alone, uh, who are for, ranked 45th in the world. We have Hungary, who are ranked 41 in the world, and Albania, who are ranked uh, 72nd in the world. So just breaking down, you know, the, the three sides that we'll be facing in the group, uh, Ireland, the only ones that have qualified for the Women's World Cup coming up now in uh, July the, July 20th. It's been creeping up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We'll be all very excited with the, the, the build-up we're starting and the big kickoff soon, before you know it. You know, we look at Northern Ireland. The, uh, they were in Group D. They finished third behind uh, England and Austria. They have Hungary. that were in Group B. Finished fourth. Ultimately, uh, Spain and Scotland were the top two in that group. And then Albania, who were in Group F. Again, they finished fourth with Norway and Belgium finishing it in the top two. Let's be honest. I, I think it would not be a stretch to say that looking for promotion to uh, to league, league A as a group winners has to be the goal from uh, an order point of view with the first ever uh, the inaugural uh, Women's Nations League. Those that's going to kick off in uh, September with two games in September, October. Then there'll be two more games, and then there'll be the final two group games in November. And look, I'm not even going to sit here, and even with the men's side of things, I'm not even going to sit here and try to explain the whole ins and outs of the Nations League. All I do know is there's two uh, two places up for grabs for the 2024 Women's Olympics uh, in France. Make it that what you will. Go out and do your own bit of research to see how we could possibly do that. Even the men's side, because we've seen the men's side of the Nations League. Yeah. Um, and this will be no different. It'll be the same, no. similar format as the men's side. So, how do you like the the format of Nations League? I don't. I find it. I still. What? what like, Men's actually has gone on quite a while, and it's probably just me being an idiot. There's probably people listening in saying it's not that. It's not that complicated. I. But I find it really difficult to get the stink of just friendly of it. You know, yeah. like I understand they're trying to you know bring it in and make it you know mean sort of make it worthwhile. And they're nice to have, you know, to try out new formations and, you know, to bring introduce new new young lads into the squad. But that's what friendlies do. So it does, it's ultimately difficult Yeah, but to it's get not away a friendly, though. So uh, you will be one side. I would be totally other. I like it. I think it's good that there's a competitive edge because I don't want to see friendlies. That's the truth. I don't want to see friendlies. I went, when, I, when Jack Charlton was manager, when Mick McCarthy was manager, I went to games especially under Mick McCarthy, where you would go and see Ireland play Finland. or now, And the only good thing with that, you see someone like Yari Littmanen play or whatever. But these would be friendlies. You go Ireland see him play in America or whatever. And there were 
a bore fest because they're changing so many players and you know there's players starting that don't normally play and you're you're paying good money to go in to to watch these games that have no there's no relevance to them whatsoever so I like the Nations League the fact that there is a promotion there is a relegation so there is something to play for there is a bit of pride and I think there's more how would you say there is there's more competitiveness in these games there's a bit more quality in these games Uh, there isn't as many substitutions in these games and they're competitive games so when you do go into World Cup and you do go into European Championship games new players who come into these are going straight into competitive games and they have them under their belt going into the next qualifying campaign instead of just playing bit parts in friendlies that's where I'd see it from yeah I just see them as an absolute board and especially when you have a couple of games into it and you know I know I do get what you mean like you're, you're fighting relegation and you're not just playing a game for the sake there's still something to go towards but if there's no prospect of promotion as you just some of the words you just used there you're still overpaying to go and watch a bar fest, but the bar fest just has the nation league title on the ticker rather than, than international friendly. Yeah, I, I do have to say, I struggle to get on board. Uh, with I struggle to get excited probably more than anything else when a nation league game uh, is coming up. But we'll, we'll hopefully we'll get a bit more something, a bit more joy out of the women's side of things because the men's side have been dire over the past couple of nations. But I think maybe that's what it is, though, Nathan. We haven't, no, that's it. When it's just. I only want my team to do well, Roy. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's singing when you're winning. I, no, yeah, I, I, bad, I, yeah. I, de- I definitely think that there's something in it. I, I, I look at, again, you look at friendlies. England would say they'd be playing a friendly. They wouldn't always be playing Spain or Germany. They'd end up playing, I don't know, Bulgaria in a friendly and they'd win 4 0 in that friendly. And there'd be all sorts of people playing who never got a cap before. And, you know, when it's something there. You're going to have to really be playing well to earn your cap now for England or earn your cap for Ireland because these games do mean something. For a manager, it's embarrassing to get relegated. You know, so there is pressure there for them. I think the format is better than just playing friendlies. Now, if you turned around to me, and you probably will now because I'm telling you, but if you turned around to me and told me, I don't think there should be any friendlies at all whatsoever. Yeah. You go, all right, yeah. Well, there isn't now because there's a Nations League there. How would you sort it without having a Nations League and without having friendlies there? What would you do? Like, I think that the, the the prospect of having something, you know, and like, like something like a Nations League, that I just feel like it still doesn't have an awful lot of consequence to it. If you know, like, I know there's promotion and relegation and things like that, but you know, going on to actually win the Nations League or to make a real difference to your qualifying campaign, it just doesn't seem realistic. But you can qualify that's, for that's European probably Championships. From, it's probably from an Ireland point of view, though. It, it seems like it's it's never going to happen mm. when you are playing with it with the Nations League sort of a thing. I don't know if you change it up to like a league format, probably still be, still be similar outcome, you know. It's, just, it's probably where we are at, at the minute. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I just struggle to really, really get behind them. Um, but I guess I, can, I do appreciate that, that it's not just a, an aimless friendly. Like you look at some of the women's friendlies coming up, like playing like the Zambia and France, like it's it'd be difficult to to get excited for them ones. But yeah, I'm not sure if you change it up to to just you know a standard league format. But then how do you split the leagues up? There's a lot to come. Where do you fit it in? Is the biggest thing. That's the big one too. It's, it's already a convolute, or a, a congested uh, fixture list. Yeah, but uh, yeah, let us know because I just split them in the middle here. But I, I really, really do not get excited about them whatsoever. 
um, you can probably tell that by some of my performances when we do uh, live shows after the Nathan. <laughs> okay, so listen, if you're if you're if you're with Nathan and you're saying. Uh, he doesn't want the Nations League let us know and if you're with me thinking that the Nations League has something about it that's better than a friendly uh, let us know we might even put it up on the big kickoff Facebook page or Twitter page and see who you might vote for on that one there okay uh, Nathan uh, Pyro I suppose we're going to finish off on this one because there's not a month we don't talk about Pyro and it's, it's always there and they're trying to get rid of it what's now yeah, let's not, we won't linger too long on this. I think anyone that's listening to the show for you know a decent amount of time knows our stance on Pyro and and things of like that. But we do have a little bit of an update that the League of Ireland have linked up with the Dublin Fire Brigade to uh, launch an anti-pyrotechnics uh, campaign. The campaign is called Stay Away from Pyro Campaign. Very imaginative, lads. Very polite. <laughs> uh, the message more so it brings awareness to the dangers of uh, pyrotechnic use. And it's actually... Uh, Alan Keane, former League of Ireland player Alan Keane, is simply one of the uh, the, the, visi- the, the visible vocal heads. Yeah, he's played for Sligo Rovers, like Dundalk. He's now uh, part of the Fire Brigade down here in Sligo, actually. So that's a face that we can see. And now they're talking about the risks of Pyro, and we do understand. Like, it's probably been a little bit of a dick there a few minutes ago, but yeah, like, it, it can be risks in terms, you know, burns and uh, toxins from the smokes and the impact it can have on the body. Um, and they also they're pointing out that all pyro has a safe distance, which is just something that cannot be contained within a crowd a crowded terrace. We like I said, we talked about pyro, we talked about the, the impact of it. Clubs are really starting to clamp down, Andy. Ahead of the, the season, we've seen a lot of statements being put out and clubs talking about in, implementing bans and you know the the talk about fines from the FEI, which is in place and has been in place for a long time now. I suppose just the one thing, and again, I'm not going to go into my opinions. Anyone that doesn't know, I'm, I'm fine with Pyro, but um, so we're not really going to go down that that path again. What I'd like to talk about, and something that that popped into my head when I seen this, and I probably talked about it before in the Py- in the Pyro conversation, is it's something that's used a lot in marketing. And marketing, in terms, you know, from the League of or from yeah, the League of itself, from the FEI, from we get the odd little snippet of a game from uh, RTE. The use of private techniques is heavily marketed when talking about the league. Do you think we are going to see a massive shift in how the league is marketed? Are we going to move away from that and probably go down a more maybe family friendly PG approach rather than you know overusing the likes of private techniques? Well, in, you can't. You can't have a league that say we don't want to use Pyro. And then they put them out on every marketing thing, whether it's video clips, whether it's RTE putting it out and promoting a game or whatever it is. You can't put them out there and say, look how great these are. And then in the same breath, you know, turn around and say, well, we don't really want them in there. And that's what they're doing here. So if they want to break away because they're encouraging people to go to a game because the atmosphere has pyro in it. If they want to break away from it, they can't have it in the market. End of story. So the FAI have to understand that. The league have to understand that. The clubs have to understand that. They can't have it in their, in their, you know, any booklets they have or, you know, match programs or whatever it is they have going out there. If they want to get rid of Pyro, they need to go the full hog. And they're not doing that. They want, they want their cake, you know, and... This is this is something that they have to look at as well, and they're not looking at it because it's never been brought up. No. The only people who's brought it up are, are ourselves. No one else is bringing this up at all. So, yeah, I think Nathan, exactly what you're saying uh, in a way, because you're leading to that. 
they definitely shouldn't have stuff in the market and in the promoting of the league if they don't want it in there. It doesn't regardless, make sense. Regardless of what your opinion is on it, I know we like we probably differ a little bit, but not, like now you're you're not staunchly against it, but we understand that there is. Uh, I, I just don't want it near me, Nathan. That's yeah, a hundred percent, and I a hundred percent get that. That everyone's fandom is different, and if you know young kids and stuff with you, because it can't be dangerous when it's in the hands of an absolute idiot, which unfortunately it is eighty percent of the time, and I think that's where the, the the complaints are coming from. That's when when risks can happen, but. I think from if you are the league avoidance, it's counterproductive, you know. Or even the clubs, we've seen clubs who have massive statements of, you know, if you're caught with pyrotechnics, you'd be getting your stadium bans, whether that be lifetime or monthly. And then in the next two days, they're marketing an upcoming game. And it's a fault of flares within the stands. I just find it really counterproductive. I find it really just, they're sort of fighting with themselves. They don't know what, what they want in terms of the marketing uh, aspect of it. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm not like, not having a go and saying, no, oh, there shouldn't be, you know, this campaign shouldn't be existing because it can be really, really dangerous. And I've yeah, seen it. They're I've not seen coming up with an alternative, company. Nathan. No, that's it. You know, and just, that's it. So if they came yeah. up with an alternative and said, listen, well, do you know what? We like having the pyro. We like the atmospheres there, but here's yeah. the, you know, these, these cold pyro, but the, the ones yeah. they have out in Europe, these are yeah. what we're going to sell at the clubs now. The clubs can sell them and use can purchase them there because these are safe. Then you go, yeah. great. Well done, you're on top of it. But they're not on top of it. Yeah. They're loosely no. doing things and then threatening people, which is the, the most ridiculous way to go about your business. Go in there, have a solution and make that something that people jump on board. Yes, pyros are gone, but here's safe way of doing it and enjoying it. Great. There you go. Yeah, because the, the threatening of bad, the threatening of fine, fine individual people. I know clubs do get fines. Segregation, improved security, it hasn't worked. You go, you go to a League of Ireland game on the weekend. There's going to be pyrotechnics yeah. there, and as I said, that's not an issue for me whatsoever. It might be an issue for for people listening in, and that's grand. I'm not going to. It's not an, not an argument I'm willing to have because nobody's right and nobody's wrong in that. For, in my opinion, anyway, in that sort of arguments. Mm. But as you said, like there's just it's so kind of productive to what they're, what they're trying to achieve when the League of Ireland and the FEI do these and release these sort of campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, listen, we're going to leave it on that one. Um, it would be interesting to see and hear what the League of Ireland and, and FAI and I'll have to say about this eventually. I think we'll put this out there, Nathan, and see if we can get any sort of reply on this because this is something that has been going on a long time. It's dragging out for far too long and it does, yeah. It, it needs to be sort of resolved at this stage. Uh, thanks very much, everyone, for listening, as always. We really appreciate the numbers that are listening now and, and uh, the interaction that we're having, which is... Uh, we also have the bigkickoff.com, which we will putting up articles etc up there um, and uh, if anyone's interested out there anyone who is uh, likes to write about football do get in contact with us if you are interested in writing about the League of Ireland or football in general do do contact us and you can contact myself on the big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com or you can contact us through the, the Facebook page or Twitter okay talk to you next week <laughs>